Welcome to the Rankin Baptist Church Podcast. Please note that all or some of this podcast may have been recorded during our live physical services at Rankin Baptist Church. Therefore, sound quality may be affected in some areas. We hope you enjoy the podcast. We've been looking at praise and worship. And of course, there is a funny aspect to praise and worship. So we're going to go back to Tim Hawkins. We're going to take it out on the worship team today and the worship lead in particular. But it's a jest, all right? So let's see what Tim Hawkins has to say about praise and worship in churches today. One second. And the uh, worship pastors here tonight do a lot of the worship music or the modern worship stuff. I think that's great. I just have a few requests for you. And I think I'm speaking for a lot of people here tonight. We're just trying to help, okay? I have a few requests, uh, worship pastor. Uh, first request is, it's Sunday morning, it's really early. A lot of us have not had breakfast. Can you one time in our life pick a song with the key we can sing in just one time? Something that a normal human can latch onto, Chris Tomlin. Can you do that, please? I'm not very white, I'm not BG. Can you pick something in the middle? I can't. I'm going to right now. Request number two, I like the modern worship songs, but can we mix in a few more hymns? Because at least with hymns, you know when the song is over. <laughs> you know, used to be able to plan your day around the hymns, like first, second, third, first, go home, you know what I'm saying? Some worship songs you don't know when they're going to end. you had a chair in front of you for support. I can sing your love forever. I can sing two minutes later. Are we gonna sing of His love forever? You know, Jesus, we gotta go. What did you do? Lord, I'm just gonna lay your prostate just across your And that's fine. Just write a few songs that men can worship. 
or two, you know? Watch the game with me, Lord. <laughs> Just sit here in silence. No talking or questions. And fall asleep halfway through. Guys, we on this. Okay, there's no hint, okay? It was just uh, looking at our praise and worship from a funny perspective. So we're looking at the importance of praise and worship. You know, we're going to be doing a lot of that when we get to heaven. Now, I know you probably thought what so many people think, really, is most of what we're going to be doing there, singing? That seems like a long time to be singing. Aren't we going to run out of words and things like that? But of course... The reason is because our idea of worship and what we're going to be doing over there is very different. So we have these preconceived ideas about what worship is going to be and it turns us off. But worship is a big activity and I think when we get there, we're going to enjoy it. We're going to be anointed. All the things that distract us all right, are a hindrance to us here on earth in our worship. All of those have been taken away. We're just going to be with the Lord. So as we look at praise and worship, we say one of the things that praise and worship does is it blesses us. It's the song that God gives us to carry us through troubled times. You can pop a pill, you can swig a bit of alcohol, you can go to a therapist, or you can praise God. So if you and I are used to praising God in the good times, you will find that that song will carry you through the bad times. We must learn to let those songs and the lights minister to us. Then we said there are three dimensions to praise and worship. The one is when we come together, we are focusing on God. The other one, we're actually singing together as a church. So don't come here to get your little piece of pie and then go home. You're part of the body of Christ. You're part of the body of Christ. You have to build up relationships with the people next door to you. You cannot come here Get a little bit of whatever you feel that you've come to here and ignore everybody else around you. Say, well, I'm going home. I've got what I came for. God put you in a family. Amen? You didn't sign up to become a part of a bank. You can just become a customer and go. To be part of God's family, you're going to be connected to brothers and sisters. That means we have to be mindful of each other when we come, we have to build a relationship. How can people sing together when they don't even know each other? Right? The third aspect is when we're actually open to the Lord ministering to us. So you and I should experience a touch of the Lord or connection with the Lord. And that's not taking glory away from God. It's just the dynamics of praise and worship. So we've been looking after that at what does the Bible say? What are the biblical words for praise and worship? Now they are a lot different to what we think. Our words are let's sing, let's worship, let's praise, let's rejoice. And more or less those words get used in different ways, synonyms in different ways. But when you look at God's word and what he says in his word, what praise and worship is, and we expand upon the meaning I think you'll see that praise and worship needs to change if we're going to do it God's way. Now you can do it the way that you've been brought up in church and the way people do it. But when we look at God's word, 
He says we need to do it a different way. Now here's the thing. We don't like God's word. Isn't that true? We don't like what God's word says to us. Even though we claim, God, I'm a person of the word, love studying the word. But when it applies, comes time to applying the word, and the word makes requirements of us that we feel a little bit out of comfort with. We're like, ah, oh, that's one I don't really have to get into. But the way in which you praise and worship, and we pray and wor praise and worship, is very important to God. You know, President Abraham Lincoln, there's a story told about him, American president, an old lady wanted an audience with him one day. Now, the president was very busy. You can imagine there's a lot going on in his life. But this lady wanted to see him, and he graciously said, well, I'm going to make time for you. And uh, as the lady came in, he stood up, said, ma'am, uh, good morning. What can I do for you? And she said, you know, I don't need you to do anything for me. But I know, and I heard that you like a certain cookie, biscuit. And so I've baked some freshly for you, Mr. President, and I've just brought them to deliver to you. And he said, wow, that is amazing. You're the first person that has come into my presence, requested an audience with me, that didn't want something from me. That actually just brought something. Now isn't that sometimes, maybe, the experience that God has of us? That so many times we come into God's presence, blah, 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 blah and then we get to what we want from God. We don't actually come into the Lord's presence just to bring Him an offering and that's it. That's all we've come to do. We've come to bring you a sacrifice of thanks, a sacrifice of praise, a thank offering. And then we leave. Though you may have things that are burning that you believe, now that you have an audience with God, you'd like God to do something about, all we're doing is we're coming to the Lord's presence. So think of that on a Sunday morning. That all we're coming to do on a Sunday morning is to come to bless the Lord, to bring Him something. He does so much for us in the week, and there's plenty of time to make requests of the Lord. But how about more thank offerings? How about more praise offerings with no strings attached? Amen. And when we bring those cookies to God, how should we do it? Well, we've been looking at it firstly with our hands. What do we do? We lift our hands in worship. It means, Yada, the first word that we looked at last week, was to worship with extended hands. To like fire up your hands to the Lord. Now God says in His Word, raise your hands to me. What do we do? I dare you. I dare you to go to a rugby game or a soccer match. And I dare you to shout at the team like this. Go Pirates. <laughs> Go Chiefs. Go Bella. Yay, SA. I mean, those players on the field will say, what's wrong with those fans? Something's wrong with them. Here we are, blood, sweat and tears, bones crunching, crunching. Forests colliding all the time, and all they can say is, Yay, go! <laughs> now, that's the same attitude that we come with to worship. We don't want to get emotional about this stuff. That's crazy. That's for kids and youth. All right? And we come to the Lord and say, Yay, you're great. <laughs> I was just singing in my heart. You know, the Bible says, 
Shout out to the Lord. Raise your hands. You know the word over there, yada? It's related to firing arrows. So when you want to praise the Lord, it says, Hallelujah! There goes the arrow. It's a shout out of praise. Get your emotions into it. Get religion out of it. Because really, it's not your preference. It's just the way you've been brought up. Now remember, we used to sing hymns at every assembly. But the hymns were basically this at school, at primary school. This is about as active as we go. That's it. That's what you do with your hands. And then you sat down. Then in the early days, I went to the Anglican church. And you know what praise and worship is like in the Anglican church? Firstly, <laughs> the original smoke, right? Only they didn't have lights. It was just the smoke. And then there would be the altar boys and we'd sing like this, holy are your Lord. And then we'd sit down. Basically, then we go and kneel. And that was praise and worship. Now imagine that you have that drummed into you all the time. Nobody's clapping. Nobody's shouting. Everybody's just in harmony. I mean, hello. That's the way they do it. Catholics, can I get an amen? amen. Anglicans, can I get an amen? <laughs> no, you shouldn't be agreeing with that. It's wrong. But now you come and you read the Bible and it says, raise your hands. What are you going to do? Nobody else is raising their hand. Do you have the courage to raise your hand in church? <laughs> you only say that because we allow that in church. And you see other people doing that. But I dare you to stand in the front of the church. Not hide in the back and raise your hands. Not stand on the side. I dare you to stand up front here and raise your hands. And do that when you go to an Anglican church. Then we know you're brave. Then we know you're worshipping the Lord. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks. Yada to Him in song. Psalm 28. Toda. It means also to raise the hands, but to give worship or the extension of the hands in adoration and agreement. Now here's something different. Toda, you're also raising your hands. But to a large extent, you are agreeing to something. You're saying, Amen. You know, it's like, yes, yes. You're agreeing to something. You're agreeing to something ahead of time. So when you say, God is good, you say, all the time. Is God going to be good tomorrow? Amen. Todah. You see, that's why we do it. We are kind of enforcing what is in our hearts and what we are singing about with by expressing it with our hands. Toka means to pardon, clap our hands. Psalm 47 verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. All right. Now, I know that for the first time, we're going to be seeing a lot of people today clapping their hands. You may have come to the church for a long time, months. And today will be the birthday of your hand clap. You ready to give birth to our hand clap? Hello, let me finish the sentence. Right, are you ready? One, two, three.
Okay, I saw it. A double clap. Now, just pull down your mask for a second. Okay, now you need to learn a big smile. Now you need to look. You know, some people are went to a happy, clappy church today. Why? I mean, if you were going to a rock concert, what would you be doing? You'd be applauding the people. When you see somebody, an athlete doing something amazing, you in the grandstand saying, Whoa! Isn't it? Why is it we can get so excited out there, but in church we want to be conservative? Huh? Why is it when the Bible says, clap your hands, shout to the Lord. Then we looked at the type, we're going to look at today, the type of hands. Psalm 24 verse 3 says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. You see, it's not just the fact that we're lifting hands to the Lord, but those hands need to be clean. Otherwise, the, all the praise, all the worship really means very little to God. Okay, he appreciates the claps. He appreciates the expression of praise. But when those hands are dirty, it comes across like, you're giving me mixed messages. On a Sunday, bless you all, I love you. And the week, I want nothing to do with you. In the week, we're doing things that we know are distasteful, unsavory, sinful. We've done some of those things with our hands. And those same hands, we're lifting up to the Lord. Do we see? Even when it comes to our mouths, we'd be criticizing and complaining. We'd be swearing, shouting at people. And with that same mouth, we come in on a Sunday morning and says, Oh, you're holy, but your mouth is dirty. <laughs> That's what God says. Clean up your act before you come to church. Get rid of it. Do a bit of confession. I mean, if you're going to take somebody and you've been out in the garden or whatever, clearing out the rubbish, and somebody comes to you for dinner or whatever, and you take those same hands and you make them dinner, what are those people going to say about the food that you're presenting to them? Say, hey, I'm not hungry today. Oh, I'm going to take it home, get appreciated at home. You're not going to take it home and eat it there. You're going to give it to somebody else. Why? It's dirty food. So when we come before the Lord, we need to understand spirit needs to meet spirit. We need to come to the God on His terms. And God says, praise me with a pure heart. Offer our praises to me with clean hands. We looked at the fourth one and what do we do with our mouths? So we move from the hands to the mouths. And the one that we looked at last week was Tehillah. That is a spontaneous song. A spontaneous that's something that just bursts forth it says in Psalm 22 verse 3 you are holy enthroned on the praises of your people the spontaneous praises of your people because remember we said last week when the Israelites had church they didn't have a projector screen with words they didn't have hymn books so how were they going to sing even if the guys in the front were leading the guys at the back 10,000 people down would not hear. So they needed to come with their own song every single week to bless the Lord. And they were able to do that. I mean, you didn't have the worship team needed to, to, needing to tell them, hey guys, at the back, we're on the fourth verse. 
They're just doing their own thing. They're just blessing the Lord in their own way. But you know, if we're going to be spontaneous in our praise and worship, it's not going to happen by switching on and switching things off. Even in the week, we're going to have to walk in faith. When you're walking in faith and not doubt or indifference, when you're not arguing with God about the circumstances of your life all the time, then on a Sunday, whenever you meet with God, you're going to be able to spontaneously praise the Lord because you've already been walking in faith all the time. We have to be grateful when you and I are walking in gratitude to God, not for big things, but for all things. Amen? Can we say that again? I want to give thanks to God, not for big things, but for all things. The ordinary things. The things I've had a hand in doing. And not only God, but God and I have been working together. I want to come to the Lord and just say, Lord, thank you for the rain that fell. It feels so much fresher the air. Father, I want to thank you that tonight I'm sleeping under a roof. I was at the shopping mall yesterday. And it happened to be at the time of the storm. I said, not even worried about it. Not even worried. Because I'm in this shopping mall, protected. Those small things that we thank the Lord for. Now when it comes time, we've been doing that all the time. And the pastor, the worship leader says, praise the Lord in your own way. I mean, you've been doing it all week. You've been thanking the Lord, praising Him, noticing what God is doing. It's easy to go that, you see, on a Sunday morning. We have to walk with the presence of God. Praise and worship cannot be a session on a Sunday morning. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. You and I need to be walking with the Lord all the time. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 5. We're going to continue to see what we need to be doing with our minds. 2 Samuel 6, verse 5, you have it at the back over there. David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with songs and with the harps, lyres, tambourines, sistrums and cymbals. Verse 12 of 2 Samuel chapter 6. Now King David was told the, ta- the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought the, up the ark from the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. Amen. How are we going to get the ark to Jerusalem? With rejoicing. Are we going to just worry about an armored vehicle? No. We don't worry about armored vehicles. We're worried about praise and worship. That's the thing that needs to accompany our movement. David, 2 Samuel 6.14, wearing a linen ephod, ephod, danced before the Lord with all of his might, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts. Now that word over there is teruah, shouts. It means to shout for joy, make a joyful noise, to rejoice, and with the sound of trumpets. So what else does the Bible say we need to be doing with our mouths? Well, you know, the Bible says shout. And it says shout a lot. In actual fact, it gives us many different ways to shout. There are at least three words in God's word that says we should be shouting. Now, why would God say three times, shout like this, shout like this, shout like that? Because shouting is good. Shouting is good. It does something for you. You realize that? No. It may not be a very polite way to worship. 
But if God was worried about polite worship, he wouldn't put three different words about shouting in the Bible. Maybe it's not God that's got it wrong. Maybe it's us that have things wrong. So it means <laughs> there, it means a victory shout. Do you want to see the definition? To split the ears with shouting. That means very loud. Say, so if I say, in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, we get to Terua. Shout a victory. You may do this, that, you may do that, but get ready, we're going to shout. One, two, three, hallelujah! Okay, somebody was way off key over here. <laughs> that was like a, it's a spider in the house type of shout. <laughs> now look at this. He says over there, Turua, they were shouting for shouts of joy. Now why this particular shout of victory? You see, the Philistines had captured the ark and God had given the victory to bring it back. So David said, when we bring the ark to Jerusalem, I want you to keep shouting the victory because we're going to continue to celebrate the victory that God gave us over the Philistines. We're going to expand it a little bit. So it was a shout of victory. You know, the same word is used in Joshua 6 when God said, don't march around, but don't fire an arrow. But on the seventh day, what I want you to do is I want you to shout. The same word is used there. It's a shout that is associated with victory over the enemy. Except this time, it wasn't after the victory, it was before the victory. They shouted and they said, walls come down. We're going to beat you guys up today. You've been hiding in your fortress, thinking that you're safe for six, seven days now. But today, the wall's coming down. Amen? Is there a wall in your way? The Bible says, give the Lord a shout of victory and the wall will come down. Stop praying for the wall to come down. Give the Lord a shout of victory and let God decide what He's going to do with that wall. Amen? Psalm 118 verse 15, shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Bible says God's going to give you a victory shout. Amen? So a lot of our shouting is going to be, hallelujah, God beat the devil down. God gave me the victory over my enemies. I had this guy, didn't like me for no reason, was always gunning at me. I didn't go to the office and I wasn't nasty. I wasn't drawn into office politics. I went home and I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to shout because you're victorious. I thank you that you are going to deal with the situation back home. And then I shouted and I blessed and I praised. When I came back, I find that the whole environment in the office had been changed. And it was praise that changed it. When you and I get drawn in to battles and we don't let the battle be the Lord's, you're going to find not only do you place yourself in danger, but your praise is going to go. Because you focus on the battle. You're going to focus on fear and the size of the enemy. But when you choose to praise God and leave your enemies up to God, you can rejoice, you can have a song in your heart, and you can have incredible faith because you get perspective when you're in God's presence. You get perspective 
over every challenge that you face. The next shout is Rina, 2 Chronicles 20, 22. And when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon. That's what we looked at last week, right? The Lord said to Jehoshaphat, now you've got three armies coming against you. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your whole country together and I want you to march in a straight line right into the face of the enemy. But along the way, I want you to shout because I'm going to give you the victory and I'm going to fight this battle for you. If you have faith, you will march out. And so they did. But you know what they did? They shouted out in praise because they were saying, Lord, we believe what you told us here. We believe that when we see the enemy, we don't know how you're going to do it, how this battle is going to go. But we know when we get there, you will defeat the enemy. And in actual fact, what God did, God caused the enemy to turn on each other. The only things the Israelites did when they came to the enemy's camp was say, hey, there's a lot of plunder. And they took it all back home. Do you see the shout that God gave? It was shout with joy and gladness. So that is Rina, when you celebrate the victory that God has given. Now Luke 19.37 says, When they came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. They are being way too noisy for church. Jesus said, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will shout out. The stones will cry out. Does Jesus like loud, exuberant, spontaneous, excited, enthusiastic praise? We see it over there. The Pharisees said, these crowds are going crazy for Jesus. Jesus said, if they don't, the stones will. But I am going to be praised, and I'm going to be praised with shouts of victory. What were they shouting about? They thought that Jesus had come to overthrow the Romans. There was an anticipation of what God was going to do. Now Jesus said, you can shout away, but I'm not coming to overthrow the Romans. I mean, anybody can overthrow the Romans. In actual fact, the Romans were overthrown. But nobody can overthrow the devil. What I've come to do is overthrow the devil. So give me that victory shout. You see what they were doing? is they were shouting ahead of time about the Lord's victory that he was going to give them. Another one is halal. It means to boast, to celebrate. Now this is already the third word that God says, when you come into praise and worship, cry out. It means to make a show, to boast, to praise, to rave about, to give God glory. Second Chronicles 20, 19. The Levites, the son of the Kohathites, the son of the Korahites, stood up to praise the Lord. So when the worship leaders got up, worship team, are you listening? When they got up, they shouted. That mic over there, singers, that mic has been given to you for a reason. To amplify your voice. You have to be leading God's people in praise and worship. But when you sing like this, very quietly. You're not leading anyone. And your level of enthusiasm is contagious. 
and everybody came excited. Then they saw the flat balloon on the stage, and they said, that person's not excited about praise and worship. They just popped my balloon. You understand? What you do up over here sets the tone. Those people were going to be led into battle against three armies. If anybody was afraid among the Israelites, it was the worship team that was supposed to get rid of that fear. And the worship team that day did a good job because the Bible says the Levites stood up and when they stood up, they shouted, they praised the Lord, they boasted, they bragged about the Lord. And if there was anybody timid or in two minds in Israel while they were pushed off the fence that day, they were said, yes, yes, let's do this. The worship team were kind of their cheerleaders. Let's say praise the Lord. Amen. Psalm 44 verse 8, in God we boast all day long and we praise your name forever. The next one is Shabbat. That's the fourth one about praise and worship with a loud voice. Four times in the Bible, God says shout. Why don't we shout? Why don't we like to hear our own voices? Why do we say this church is way too untidy? It's unorganized. I mean, there's just chaos and disorder in church. So if you think there's chaos and disorder in church, you should have been in Israel. And that was loud. You should have been with Jesus in the triumphal entry. That was loud. And guess what? You better get used to it because the angels in heaven praise like this. We're going to look at that in a moment. So Psalm 31 verse 7 says, I celebrate and shout because you are kind. You saw all my suffering and you cared for me. That over word over there is to address in a loud voice of praise, unashamedly. I don't care what you think about my voice and my praise. David says, I don't think, don't care what you think about my dancing. I'm going to dance and I'm going to celebrate and I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to let all this joy in my heart, I'm going to let it out. You know, some people, you can't go to church without praise and worship. You get the happy churches, you get the happy clappies, you get the happy clappy dancers. Have you ever been to a happy clappy dancing church? Put your hand up, if you have. <laughs> so what do they do there? What does it look like? I don't know, we never see it in this church. Am I allowed? Yes, you're allowed. What does it look like? Hey? <laughs> you're waiting for me to embarrass myself. Okay. Okay. David took off you. They like. Oh, so you're going to leave me hanging? Maybe he's going to come and dance with me. That's leaving me hanging. Do you know right now, there's at least five people that wanted to get up here. They were, and they said, hey, this is not my place. <laughs> right? Auntie Danica, I saw you. I saw you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are you still doing there? Show us how to dance. You know, white men can't dance. And then I saw somebody else over here. I was reading their hearts and their minds. 
Okay, who is it that wanted to come up? And then you thought, I want to bless the Lord, I want to dance. And then, oh, but what will the people think of me? Come on. There was a lot of you that said, we went to those churches. In those churches, we dance. But in this church, we can't dance. All right? So, Tzidi, thank you. I'm about to get off the stage and let the ladies do their thing. Because I have a feeling I'm going to be out of sync. I'm going to be like this, and they're going to be like... So Psalm, oh sorry, Revelation 5.11, please turn there if you think I'm lying. Revelation 5.11, they are saying, what song? What move? It's like they choreographed this before the service. Are you there? Revelation 5.11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircle the throne... They encircled the throne. Could that have been that they were like praising around the throne? And then look at this. How do the angels praise? And that's why I said we need to get ready for heaven. Revelation 5 verse 12. The angels in a loud voice saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. The angels are loud in heaven. On the day of the triumphal entry, they were loud. When they went into battle, they were loud. Why is it that our praise and worship looks so very different to what God's Word says? It's not the Word, it's us. It's what we've made it. Now that doesn't mean we're going to descend into chaos. It doesn't mean that things are going to go all over the place. And you're going to go, and some people will tell you that that type of worship is just emotionalism. It's immaturity. And that's going to come from the same pastor that says, I want to teach you what the Word says. Well, I don't know. When I read the Word, it looks very different to what we are seeing in churches today. I say I'm loud because I'm proud. I'm proud of what God has done. We have a God that's like no other. The expression of His devotion to me, well, I haven't seen anybody express that devotion. So I'm going to express my devotion like nobody else. If it means shouting, raising my hands, clapping, if it means dancing, I don't know what form it's going to take, but God is going to be praised and He's going to be praised like never before. Let me end here. You know Charles Wesley, when he got saved, the very first hymn that he wrote was this. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. I mean, let's get away from what we think he's saying. A thousand tongues is pretty loud. That's a lot of tongues making a lot of noise. And he says, one tongue is not enough. This voice is not enough. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great redeem. The very first hymn that he wrote, setting the precedent for how we need to worship the Lord. Can I ask you, are you proud to be a son or daughter of God? Do you think you can express it? Are we going to leave these ladies hanging here? How many people should we have up here at least to dance? At least five. She says, everyone. That's going to descend into chaos. <laughs> but can I have a few people who would like to show us how we should be dancing? Come on, clapping, praising the Lord. Worship team, you can come up.
because everybody I think is ready to praise the Lord, to worship Him. My job is done out here. I'm going to join them and see what you guys can do. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, remember to share it with people you feel may be encouraged by it as well. Also remember, for more resources, to watch our video sermons, or to find out more about Ramsey Baptist Church, visit us online at www.rbaptchurch.org.